0: series is going to be mainly in the New Testament where we read in John's gospel the I am statements of Jesus, but this week we're going to be in the Old Testament for the original I am statement, the place where Moses meets God at Mount Horeb, coming from Exodus chapter 3. Hear now the word of the Lord. Moses is keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. When Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why this bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, "'Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground.'" He says, "'Further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob.'" And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, "'I've observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard the cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their suffering.'" I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So I come, so come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt." But Moses said to God, But who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that it is I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship, the, worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I am come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Does God want to be known? That's a question we are going to answer through this series. Does God want to be known? Does God want to be revealed? to us, because what we'll talk about for this whole sermon series is that God does want to be known. God wants us to identify with God and to find out these attributes of God as offered to us in Jesus Christ, as we'll talk about in the next few weeks, What who God is. And in in so doing, we find out who we are as well. And as I said, we will be looking mainly in John's gospel for the rest of this series, but we're here in the Old Testament today looking at this great story where Moses goes up to Mount Horeb to meet the Lord God, the story of the burning bush. Well, we all know some about Moses, I hope. But let's backtrack just a little bit, okay, so we can get an idea of the backdrop of this. Moses was born to a Hebrew mother and father. He was born during a time when the people of Israel were enslaved in the land of Egypt. He was born at a time when the Pharaoh wanted to put to death all the male babies that were born. And so when Moses was born, his parents following after the letter of the law, took this baby, put him in a basket that was covered in tar and placed him in the river, just like it was ordered. But he was here safe and secure in this basket made of reeds. And he floated along the Nile River in the first waterbed. Just plain. One person got that. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. He was there floating along and who discovers him? None other. Then the daughter of Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter brings him up out of the water, feeling sorry for this Hebrew child. She adopts him for herself and in the great providence of God, it is Moses's mother who nurses this young child and this baby and helps raise him up. So not only does Moses gain the, the upbringing in the court of Pharaoh, he also learns about his Israelite heritage. And he sees the oppression of those people. He grows up in the court, grows up with this privilege, but he also grows up with this burning passion about the people to whom he is born. And so one day, taking matters into his own hands, he goes and he kills one of the Egyptian taskmasters that is beating one of the Israelite slaves. And once he does this and it is found out, he flees into the wilderness, the desert, where he spends 40 years, we're told in Scripture. 40 years of wandering, 40 years of, of sort of waywardness, 40 years of, of this mark of being a criminal upon him, 40 years uh, of being there in despair. Well, how do we know this? Because when he meets his father-in-law, Jethro... He marries his, her daughter, his daughter, and the first child is named Gershom, meaning I'm a stranger. I'm a stranger. Moses spent that time languishing in the wilderness. Yeah, we know good things will come up because of that, but can you imagine being on the run, living in the court of the Pharaoh with all the luxury of the richest man in the world, and you're there in the desert tending sheep, not the most glamorous of jobs. You see, Moses is there in the desert tending these sheep out there in the heat, out there in all the dust, out there with these these animals that like to stray away. And the Lord God approaches him in this bush. And there Moses sees this bush that is burning but is not yet consumed. And he goes up there and he wonders what this is. And, and the Lord speaks to him and the Lord says to him, I see the suffering of my people. I hear of the, their cries and the oppression that they are facing. And so I'm going to send you, Moses. And Moses asks him, Who's sending me? What is the name? For you see, in ancient culture, names were important. That name, Gershom, reveals some about what's going on in Moses' life. N- names reveal the character of people. We, we see uh, that Abraham means father of many nations. His son, his son Isaac means laughter. Jacob meant grasper. And then his name is changed to Israel, which means one who strives w- with God. Moses' own name means to be drawn out. So we see names have special meaning in the ancient world. And when someone wanted to know the name of a God, why did they want to know that name? Because in the ancient world, if you knew the name of God, the God, you could bring down that power of that God and make requests in the name of that God for your own benefit. Oh, Baal, bring some rain. Oh, Astra, grant to us fertility. They were trying to claim within their own lives that this power of that God. So, what Moses, in some ways, is trying to do is say, Okay, God, I want to claim who you are so I can use you, so I could have some power over you by stating your name. And what the Lord God does is respond using this term Tell them, I am sent you. Tell them, I am who I will be, has sent you. See, what God is doing is saying, yes, I am coming. Yes, I'm being here in your midst, but you will not control me, Moses. You do not have control over me. You cannot tame me, you see. Kind of reminds me of the Chronicles of Narnia. Have any of y'all read Those series, yep, yep, have some down here. They are so beautiful, so wonderful. They they reveal some wonderful theology that has influenced me. For those of you that haven't read the books, and I encourage you to do so, it's about another world called Narnia, and and children at various times go into that world to perform tasks. And the ruler of that world's a, a great lion named Aslan, he's the Christ figure. And when the first group of children go to to, uh, Narnia and they hear about this lion named Aslan, who's the ruler there, they grow a little afraid and and, and they they ask the question, "Is, is he safe? To which the characters who live there say, oh no, he's not safe, but he's good. Other places he's described, he is not a tame lion, meaning... That, yes, this ruler is good, but you cannot control him. That's the way it is with this, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. He's revealing himself to Moses, but he's saying, you can't tame me. You can't domesticate me. You cannot try to hold me and use me as your own. Which means, for us, God isn't a divine butler that we can call upon and get our wishes granted by Him. No, God, you see, is one in control. But there's something beautiful what happens here. God does something that God has not yet done before. He approaches somebody and reveals some part of him by stating his character, saying that "I I am who I am. I will be who I'll be. Some have interpreted it as saying, where you go, I will be there. In parlance of today, he's saying, I've got this. God's got this. And so Moses as you go, as I send you, I'll be there. And that means somehow, some way, some things are going to work out. My friend Jack did not realize when he went in for knee surgery that he was receiving a call to ministry. Jack had put off getting his knee operated on for a long while. He did everything he could think of to get around getting his knee replaced. Jack even got these injections of the same material that's in the comb of a rooster put in his knee. So Jack would go around clucking and and crowing all the time. But finally, the pain got too bad. And so Jack went for surgery very hesitantly. He was scared. He had had some Adverse reaction, anesthesia in the past he'd heard about the rehab being very painful and arduous, so he went to to the hospital to be operated on and there before the surgery, he was in that little holding room that they take you to, you know they do some prep work, and then they leave you alone for a while. Well, Jack was in that room all by himself, and as he was there and scared to death, the curtain opened up, and as jack was said he was praying, the curtain opened up, and this large African-American woman stepped through. And she said, hon, you look a bit nervous and afraid. And Jack said, well, to be honest with you, I am. And this woman proclaimed the word of the Lord to Jack. She said, hon, you're going to be okay. God's got this. God's got this. He's right here with you. And Jack said, a peace came over him. And when he was wheeled back to uh, go to the operating room, he said, there's this calmness upon him that he knew as the presence of God. And he was talking to the nurse that was there, getting him ready right before he's to be wheeled out. And, you know, the transport team was there. And, and he said, You know, uh, I sure appreciate that, uh, that nurse coming in to, to speak to me. And the other nurse said, What nurse? She said, Well, I didn't catch your name, but she's a large African American woman. And the nurse replied back, well, sir, there's no one that works in this department that matches that description. Now, don't know how that lady ended up being there at that time, but God somehow brought her into that place. And gave Jack a peace of mind about the surgery. But the great part happened is after surgery, when he's in the rehab center, Jack had heard about the painfulness of being there, but he had been given this confidence. He, he started going through the therapy. If They told him to do five exercises. He did 10. I mean, he was soaring like an eagle through that thing, moving that leg around. And he said it was painful some, but he got through it. And, and the doctor said, you know, fella, you're doing so great with this. There's this 20-year-old gal that will hardly move. Can you go in there and share with her? So, yeah, I'll be glad to. So, Jack went in there and started talking to her, said, hey, listen, ma'am, uh, lady, I'm, I'm I'm seventy four years old, and you're here, only twenty. Look at me, move my leg. You can do that and And then there's another patient that was having a difficult time and that and they took Jack down to show show her how things were going well for him. And there was another patient, this, this fellow that was having a difficult time, and Jack went down there, and Jack said, after he left the hospital, he said, "You know, somehow some way God had me in that place." And for many years afterwards. That became Jack's calling. He would go to the rehab center and just offer words of encouragement for people going through difficult times. See, God provided everything that he needed. The I am who I am, I'll be who I'll be, I'll be there for you, I've got this God, was there for Jack. And he was there for Moses as well. Moses would later on in the story say something like this. He said, Lord, 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 I, I can't, can't, can't talk that, that, that well. You, you need to send somebody else. The Lord said, who created the tongue? Who made the voice? I did. For you see, as God revealed himself, he is saying not only things about himself, he sings things about us. This God who we are not free to control is also free to be there for us whenever we are being sent out in God's name. And so what we see here is that God is saying to us as he reveals himself even only partially to us is I'm showing you who you really are in light of who I am. I like the way Rob Fuquay puts it in, in the book. He, he cites a guy named Philip Newell, who is the abbot uh, of the Ionia community in Scotland. And uh, Philip Newell says this, we are not just made by God, we are of God. Let's say that again. We're not just made by God, we are of God. Can you say that with me? Uh, we are not just made by God. We are of God. What Fuquai says is, that means is this, that the beauty, the wonder, the love, the kindness, the glory of God, all of those things are part of us too. The God who was able to form words that created everything, was the one who enabled Moses to speak and enables us to speak as well. Fuquay says this, take a a piece of paper this week and list 10 things about yourself. Go ahead, list them. And in that list, more than likely, some of us are going to put down some things that, well, maybe aren't the most flattering about ourselves, you know, maybe too loud, my nose is a little big, you know, I yell at the television when the refs aren't calling the game Auburn's way. By the way, the orange and blue tie is for the SEC champions of basketball. Didn't say anything about the game that went on, another basketball game, but the North Carolina fans get it. Uh, Yes, yeah. Yeah, I I list all those, those sayings and maybe a few good ones, too. But then, list down 10 attributes of God you can think of. He's loving, he's gracious, he's kind, he's patient, he's creative, he's wonderful, he's holy. And all those things that we list about God, because we are of God, can be said of us too. That's good news, isn't it? I like that, don't you all? This God who created us, We are also part of that God and who we are. Moses began to claim that for himself. Because you see, the God who made us, who we are part of, who we are of, also is a God that sins. He's a God that sins. He revealed himself to Moses, not just to say, hey, Moses, watch what I'm about to do. He said, no, Moses, I have heard the cry of the needy. I have seen the oppressors beat my people. And in the original Hebrew, according to Terence Fretheim, the great Old Testament theologian, the passion of God is revealed in those words. The hurt of God is shown by the way the writer puts this. God is moved by the plight of those who are broken and hurting. And because he is, he reveals himself and says to Moses, go and I'll be with you. The thing is that God didn't just do that one time. God continues to to see the needs and hurts of the brokenness of this world. And God continues, as the witness of Scripture tells us, to call forth people to address the hurts, the brokenness, the sinfulness, the waywardness, the out-and-out the, the out pain people feel. And so God called and lifted up. Folks like Jeremiah and Isaiah. Called forth a a young virgin girl named Mary to bring forth the Savior of the world. Called forth disciples like Peter and James and John. The Apostle Paul. Bringing forth people like uh, Dorcas and Aquila and Priscilla. And we see later on in, in history people like Teresa of Avila, Julian of Norwich, Martin Luther, John Wesley. In this country, Francis Asbury, Dorothy Day, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And in this great church... People like Amy and Fred, people like Liz, uh, people uh, like Mason, who are seeing the needs and the brokenness in this community, and they see that the pharaohs of addiction and loneliness and poverty and homelessness are out there, and they're saying, Let my people go. Let my people go. Burning bushes are still around us. There are still things out there, as I just said, that are are breaking people's lives and breaking God's heart. The question is, are we letting those things call us and beckon us and put a fire within us like the Jeremiah said, there's a fire within my bones and I cannot put it out. For you see, God is still calling and beckoning and wooing and revealing himself to meet the needs of this broken and hurting world. The problem is, so many of us are wandering in the wilderness. So many have marked time of being around just doing the mundane. So many are... In the wilderness of the easy chair or relaxing in retirement or uh, just getting by and making do. When the Lord of the universe is calling and saying, you are made for more. You are made to make a difference in this world. Let me put a fire within you so that you May not liberate a nation, but you might liberate an individual from their depression or their loneliness. You might guide, help guide a with children and help release them uh, from a future for so many of our young people see as bleak. You might be one that helps a dying person have hope in the midst of their, their struggle. Burning bushes are out there. God, through Jesus Christ, said, I've come to set fire to the earth and fire to our hearts. So this week, as you go out from here, listen to your heart. It may be the God who called Moses is calling you. It may be the God who's calling Moses it's calling you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.